You are listening to Where is the Line? The stories you will hear will be depraved, disturbing, and true. If you are easily unsettled, you may find this program offensive. And if you are under the age of 18, fuck off. Certainly the, uh, the desperate situation that demanded the swift removal of bodies as bodies were piling up threatened public order because people could clearly see that churches were not performing their burial functions as would obtain under normal circumstances. Everybody drinking blood, everybody eating brains, some monster party. Everybody eating flesh, everybody breaking bones. It's a monster party. Thank you for listening to a very belated episode 28 of Where is the Line? My name is Kevin, and with me again, finally, after like two fucking months now, is my very dear friend and possible COVID-19 survivor, we may never know, (laughs) Ashley. Hi, Kevin. I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> Say something disturbing, Ashley. Rotten coffee. Rotten coffee. When you hear the phrase rotten coffee, <laughs> honk your horn. <laughs> <laughs> I've missed you. I've, I've missed you, missed Kevin. You. I've missed you, too. It's been too long. We, are, we actually are in the same room together. Maybe we shouldn't be. I don't know. We are, we are socially distanced, though. We're vaguely eight feet apart. I've decided to, to add you to my bubble, my bubble of people that... I'm around outside of my household. It's literally you and my parents. Well, I'm probably it's probably safe to be around me because like, people don't like to be around me. So I'm kind of by default, <laughs> it's like social distancing. Whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm just in a mood. I'm in a like a self-deprecating. I've been just too fucking busy. I've been just been too goddamn busy. I know you have. I'm very well aware. I've seen you. I've seen you <sighs> once. Since the last time we recorded. Yeah, and we haven't even really talked very much. Yeah, we haven't. Well, you've been so busy. It's really, I didn't want to bother you because of work and everything. Well, anyway, this is is the thing that that I've been wanting to do that I've been working too much to do. So I'm not going to talk about work during the thing that I'm, (laughs) during that thing. I understand. Okay, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> I'm really fucking excited about this story, though. Yes. I, I was telling Ashley, this is the story. I, I have never looked up so much stuff about one thing. I know this story. And the reason we're able to do this story is because I don't have to do a bunch of research on this. <laughs> I knew this story like the back of my hand five years ago. Hmm. <laughs> and But unfortunately, I don't have a really good memory. So I know it like more like the front of my hand now or... Like a thing that I know kind of well that I used to know better. Gotcha. But anyway. I've missed you, Kevin. I forgot what I was talking Let's about. Let's go. I've missed you. <laughs> what, what was, it, it, yeah, you were really into this when you told me about it. Yeah, and in fact, oh, and what I was going to say was that, in fact, uh, Where is the Line almost wasn't a show because I was so into this story that I almost made an entire podcast just about this one fucking story. Right. And I was thinking like maybe one or two seasons, maybe 20 episodes, something like that about this one fucking story. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> There's not, you know, especially considering that we only have 28 episodes now and it took us 22 years to get there. Yeah. Two years to get there, not 22 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I am not going to spend the next year and a half talking about the story. There's no fucking way we're getting it done in one episode. 
I'm aiming for two. Right. Before we get started, though, during this break, the people that listen to the show have been just so nice. <laughs> it, it, I mean, like, we've gotten emails that I've only recently gotten around to reading that would have been so encouraging if I had read them when we got them. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> But no, it really, it really has been nice. I mean, we've got lots of emails and things. And you know, when we opened up the Patreon page for free, pretty much out of spite because of that horseshit that Mike Boudet pulled where you can join his Patreon free for 30 days if you put in your credit card. <laughs> <laughs> goddamn. I mean, yeah. leave it to fucking Mike Boudet to take a goddamn pandemic and turn it into a fucking infomercial. That's the same shit that infomercials have been doing for fucking years where they're like, oh, we've got this great, you know, this great thing. It's free for 30 days. All you got to do is send it back if you don't like it. Right. And then meanwhile, they charge you more than the fucking thing's worth to send it to you. And then it's going to cost you more than the thing's fucking worth to send it back if you don't want it. Anyway. <laughs> it... it, it, it there's so much shit that will build up in your head in two months <laughs> that you're not. I'm going to skip all this shit that has nothing to do with any fucking thing. <laughs> you're so cute. I'm just, I'm excited and I've got so much to say and I know. I, and it's I'm been so long. Get it all in. I was going to say um, that the last thing you posted truly worried me about the <laughs> I was concerned about the podcast at that point. What thing? The end of the line. Oh, the end of the line. Well, you know, I really didn't think... At that point, I, I, I was hoping we'd come back, but I really didn't think we would. Really? Yeah, because I'm the kind of person who, if, if I just leave something sitting around for too long, I'll just move on to the next thing. Right. No, I, I understand that. I kind of figured that probably we wouldn't come back. Not to go back to Mike Boudet too much, but had we gone that route, I would have canceled yeah. all of the patron subscriptions. Right. I understand do you know what I'm talking about? He fucking changed yes, the I'm... Patreon thing and then just left people like not getting anything and just let them get paying money. <laughs> no, like he moved everything to a different thing, but never can't anyway. Okay. No, I didn't. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, why did I bring that up? Oh, the patron, the nice messages that it was, nice it was, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. really concerning <laughs> for me oh. at least when I was like, um, this isn't <laughs> what we discussed at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just kept getting worse. I kept thinking we were going to be able to do it. We we're going to be able to do it. And then I just never had time to get anything <laughs> together. And then it was too late. But the reason I keep bitching about Mike Boudet's <laughs> time on Patreon is so that I can mention our patrons, who are fucking fantastic. And not only that, some of these people that I'm about to mention, I said that everything on our Patreon page is free. I said, you know, cancel the thing. I mean, like, if you just lost your job, just fucking cancel the thing. I've still got a job. Right. You know? Uh, yeah, but anyway... I mean, some people did cancel, you know, their Patreon, but we had people who joined the Patreon knowing good and goddamn well they weren't going to get anything for it. And that's just, really not that sweet? Really that's so nice. fucking sweet. Yes. I don't know who amongst these people are those people. Right. But uh, any of these people, I appreciate the hell out of. Thank you so, so much. So our new patrons are Ashley Roddy, Cat, who gave us no address, so uh, we don't have anywhere to send those stickers to, Cat. So if, uh, uh, if you're hearing this, uh, just message or something. Tell us who you are, where you live, and we'll send you some stickers. Jenny T., Katie Manzion, Joe Douglas, and Ray Swanson. That's so nice. I have a feeling that I'm forgetting one, because I may have messed something up here. I know that we got a new $10 patron, and I don't see it on here, but do you know what that means? What? 
That means that that person can now send us any pornographic oh, film Christ. that they would like for us to watch and film ourselves watching. I can't promise that. And comment on I can't promise they'll puke, but I might. <laughs> well, no, we're not. We're not looking for puke. That happened. This has only happened one other time. We've only had one other time where somebody somebody came in at that $10 level. And right. yeah, that resulted in uh, Samantha, who was co-host at that time, vomiting. Who and... You know, I'm just going to be honest. I think she has a stronger stomach than you do, maybe. Yeah, I've I've gagged while we've talked before, and I've gagged while listening to the show before I was on it. How are you with vomit? Not good. Oh. Not good. Oh. <laughs> well, you're going to love this episode. Do you know what this episode is going to be called? What's it going to be called? Black Vomit Part 1. Ooh, nice. You ready to get into it? I'm ready. As long as I'm not actually seeing it, I'm okay. Hmm. If I have to see it or witness it, there's a problem or hear it. I had actually I actually had somebody puking in my car the other day. And I was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a drunk person? Yes. Okay. All right. You've got to clarify shit like that in times like these, Ashley. Okay. Yeah, it was not a fun experience. And I was driving, so yeah. I, but I didn't vomit. I just gagged a lot. And then just tried to, like, not listen to it. <laughs> yeah, that really happened. Well, we're going to see how you do with incredibly graphic descriptions of vomit. Okay, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. So, as I've covered in great detail, mm. not the Mike Boudet thing to think about how much I like the story. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe both. Well, but pertinent to what we're saying. I think that probably... Hopefully, the topics and the people we've covered in the show aren't things that people that listen to this can relate to. So, for example, if you're listening to this, I really hope that you've never had your colon perforated by a three-foot-long horse dick. This episode, though, is so... It's it, it's not only my favorite topic, it is also so timely right now. Right. There are so many parallels between what happens here and what's happening all over the world mm. right now. Right. We've got a disease. This story is about a disease nobody understands, really. Mm -hmm. It's nightmarishly ravaging beyond what we're seeing right, right. now. I mean, if you think that, what, what's the COVID-19 death rate right now? Something like 2%? Yeah, that, something sounds, like that. that sounds right. We're talking about a disease that can go up to 50%. We have people right now in the world who are having all of these uh, ridiculous remedies and tests <laughs> that don't do anything. Dude. <laughs> the story that we're talking about, we've got the same shit going on. And beyond that, the remedies that, uh, the quote remedies that, that we're giving to people in, in the story that we're telling are killing people. Right. We have a signer of the Declaration of Independence. A man whose fucking name <laughs> is on the document that established our country, who is killing more people than the disease that kills half the people who get it is. We have a president of the United States who runs like a fucking coward out of the Capitol and leaves people there to die. What? <laughs> we have bodies on the streets. Nobody will pick them up because they don't know how this disease is transmitted. Right. When you get the disease, though... You start bleeding internally mm. and vomiting a thick, gritty, black fluid. Yeah. By the end of this story, we're going to see George Washington 
in a light that you've probably never saw him before because um, George Washington in this story abandons people to die. And that ain't even the first time he did it that month. (laughs) America's most respected doctor at this time, who I have my doubts about why this man's respected, Benjamin Rush. He becomes one of the most preeminent doctors in the world. People seem to not equate those two things. If your name is one of the few that's on a document that established the first new country that has existed in the world in quite a long time, that's probably going to the top of your fucking resume. (laughs) It's probably not so much that you're a brilliant goddamn doctor. It might be that your name's on the Declaration of Independence for the United States of America. You're so passionate about this. (laughs) (laughs) It's cute. So I've been thinking a lot about where I want to start this story. Because, you know, I want to start a little before the story, and I want it to run a little after the story, mm-hmm. so you get, like, the context on both sides. And I think that where we need to start is with the Ice Age. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Take me back. The Little Ice Age. Mm-hmm. So there's the Ice Age, the one everybody knows. But there was, a, there was another Ice Age, the Little Ice Age. And the Little Ice Age, it ended not very long after the incident that we're talking about. The incident that we're talking about, by the way, happened in 1793 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I saw a meme. I think that this is what made me think of the story. Is that I saw a meme. I don't remember what podcast, Facebook page, or Instagram, or whatever it was. Somebody had posted something, and it was a meme, and I believe it was Robert Downey Jr. looking very bored. And the caption was, Me when... The podcast I listen to says that this story is over 100 years old or something like that. Or this story happened in the 18th century. I don't remember exactly what the meme, but the point was they don't like old stories. You just want to hear fucking Jeffrey Dahmer over and over goddamn again. He just, he ate the people. He didn't eat anymore. He's dead. There's nothing new. There's nothing new there. And if you neglect every story of misery and suffering and gore that doesn't have a 911 tape attached to it. Right. You're missing so much. You're missing so fucking much. Yeah, no, legit. What was I talking about again? I have, I have Ice Age. Oh yeah. Man, the the is, little one. This you know what? I think that after this episode, I'm gonna become more coherent. I've just got a whole lot of shit like locked and oh, loaded, baby. Man, this episode's gonna be a fucking mess. <laughs> the Ice Age. We've been doing this for 40 minutes now, and we're just now up to the Ice Age. (laughs) Have we? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Little Ice Age. So, Little Ice Age ends a little bit after the Black Vomit comes to Philadelphia. The Little Ice Age resulted in the average global temperature dropping dropping 1.1 degrees Fahrenheit, which for Natasha and Sarah... (laughs) 0.6 degrees Celsius, and also everybody else in the developed world. And so what happens when, you know, and this is one of those arguments that unfortunately still fucking comes up in Alabama, is like when it's when it's wintertime, you know, and it's it, it, you have one of those like super cold days, some fucking redneck is inevitably going to come up and be like, oh, what do you think about the global warming? <laughs> I mean, it's an average global temperature, and there's still people that I don't understand that Climate change, global warming, you're talking about an average over the world. I mean, it's not... In more extreme seasons. Yeah, well, and and I mean, it could be... What I'm getting at (laughs) is that what's happening occurs during the Little Ice Age 
But the reason that it occurs is that the climate has changed in such a way, you know, every, every, every place isn't affected the same way. And the way it affected kind of the, uh, the Northeast United States is that temperatures rose. Overall, things got colder, but here got hotter and drier and they had droughts and things. And so Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is situated between two rivers, the Delaware and the Sukkul. And they have these droughts and these little uh, these little streams and things that shoot off the sides of the Delaware and the Sukkul start drying up. It's hot. It's humid. Mosquitoes start forming. Right. It's not going to be... It's going to be another hundred years before people realize how yellow fever is transmitted. So, and... I'm naming this show The Black Vomit instead of, like, Philadelphia Yellow Fever because I don't think Yellow Fever sounds very sexy in terms of, like, (laughs) destruction and gore and misery. Right. But it is so fucking bad. Even today, if you get yellow... See, the thing about today is that, you know, if you're going to go somewhere where Yellow Fever is... uh, uh, rampant or it's you know something that's a concern you're going to get it vaccinated before you go right because if you get it it, it's going to be bad um and people don't realize how bad yellow fever is now it's not one of those diseases like uh that's been eradicated from the earth but it's so infrequently happens now that people don't realize how bad this is so philadelphia Mm -hmm. 1793 Mm -hmm. little ice age is there these perfect fucking conditions are happening in Philadelphia to just make these mosquitoes come up everywhere. And Philadelphia is contributing to this. Philadelphia, at this time, has no public sewer system. They don't really have any any kind of waste management. And so, and Philadelphia also has a lot of live markets. I haven't really kept up with the COVID-19 thing, but I have heard that people seem to believe that it originated in this live market in China, something like that. Yellow fever did not originate in Philadelphia, but when you have situations like this where you have rotten meat and things just laying around, you're, you're going to attract carriers of disease. And so Philadelphia is in a situation right now where it's the biggest city in the United States at that point. Everybody is smashed in this one area. It's a port city, so they're bringing in things from all over the world. And right off the the port is the Market Street, where people are regularly chopping the heads off pigs and things and, uh, you know, throwing the parts that they don't need just kind of on the ground. Uh, The only thing they have in terms of managing all of these, uh, you know, rotten, well, I mean, urine shit. Right rotten animal pieces, whatever people are throwing out of the kitchen. The only the only way that they're managing this is that at the end of certain streets, they dig these giant holes. Mm. And everybody just throws the shit in there. Latrines. Yeah, sort of. Kind of. Yeah. Pits. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you do at least do number one and two in your house and then pour it. <laughs> I mean, you don't do it directly in the hole. Right. You go do it in private and then you just bring it all out. <laughs> Pour it in this hole in front of everybody. Just can't. Yeah, so that's the that's the way the world worked back then. I mean, it wasn't anything terribly unusual about it. Right. So the climate's changed in Philadelphia. Um, it's something they're not used to. And Benjamin Rush, preeminent American physician, he's actually noticing that he's dealing with a lot more illnesses than before. A few months prior to the summer of 1793, when all this happens, he's noticing that people are coming in with influenza, uh, different types of colds, different types of fevers and things. Um, 
But he's noticing that people are, are coming in with all these illnesses prior to that summer of 1793. At this point in history, they're not connecting climate and this humidity, mosquitoes, and you know these things to, to these illnesses. But Rush does know that something's happening that's causing people to be a little bit more sick than usual. And he's already starting to develop this little sense of dread that this is going to be a really, really bad summer. And he starts telling people, but he doesn't, he, he has no idea how bad this is actually going to get. And in the beginning of this, when I was on that giant rant that just went all over the place, I mentioned that George Washington was going to leave people to die twice in pretty quick succession. The first one um, <laughs> is because in 1793, George Washington is in a position where I don't really know, I don't remember learning this in school, uh, but the American public was within a hair's width of dragging General George Washington out of his house at what? this point. What happened was that during the American Revolution, the French helped us a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point that, in fact, we might not have a country of our own had the French not helped us the way that they did in declaring, you know, in gaining our independence from England. Right. And... France ends up in a very similar position where they have people who are looking for these kinds of uh, independence that's not too dissimilar from what what we were looking for when we came over here to the New World. And we're talking about, we're, we're still in an America where people remember 1776, you right. know? Like, this is, <laughs> we, these people remember this. These are revolutionaries. You, the people that you meet on the street are the people who had the fucking guts to come over here, you know, a lot of them. And so, and everybody knows that France helped us when we needed it the most. And France needs it the most. And Washington says... We don't really have enough people for that. (laughs) And so this is this really great point in American history where you have a country rallying against a president because of what they've done to another country. You know, at this point, the, the the absolutely fucking stupid nationalism that we have now has not set in yet. <laughs> they don't give a fuck who you are. You can be George Washington. They know he went across the fucking Delaware. They know his name's on the Declaration of Independence. Right. But also, he's fucking over these people who helped yes, us. Right. So, in today's world, it would never happen. But then, 10,000 people crowded outside George Washington's house. And I am basing that directly on a quote from John Adams. Hmm, interesting. John Adams says 10,000 people in Philadelphia crowded outside George Washington's home, ready to drag him the fuck out of there. Jesus Christ. At this time, I don't think I've mentioned it yet, Philadelphia is the capital of the United States, 1793. So this is, this is the political environment that we're in when this story gets going. So we've already got all this fucking trouble going on. One of one of the really interesting things about this is it's it's this point in history that's so famous for, you know, the founding fathers and things that people have taken exceptional care of primary sources from back then. So you can actually go back and look at the actual newspapers that were circulating in 1793 in Philadelphia. And it, and a lot of documentation from them, it, it, people have gone to great lengths to preserve it. And that's, that's one of the things that makes this story so amazing, is that we know 
that on August 3rd, 1793, a sailor arrived in the port off of the Delaware, gets a hotel room, and he gets sick. And so the doctors come to see this patient, and we know that this is the first person that we have a record of in Philadelphia that has the symptoms of the yellow fever. He died in the midst of violent seizures, vomiting black fluid onto himself. And so yellow fever at this point in history has it has been in the Americas before. It's been in North America before. Um, in South America, in Spanish-speaking areas, they call it a vomito negro, mm. the black vomit. Nice. It had made the rounds around Philadelphia about 30 years prior to this, and Benjamin Rush had lived in Philadelphia that first time it came around. Now, the first time it came around, the climate was different. You know, again, at this time, they didn't know that this was being transmitted by mosquitoes. Right. Uh, but, you know, the winters were harsh enough that the mosquitoes killed off. A few people got it. It was a big deal. But it was nothing like there was nothing to stop it like there was in 1793. And so a lot of the doctors haven't seen yellow fever. And so they call Benjamin Rush and they tell him what's happened to this young man because they don't understand what's going on. And Benjamin Rush immediately says, this is yellow fever. I've seen this before when I was a teenager. That is exactly what this is. And that is going to be the last time that Benjamin <laughs> Rush throughout this entire story ever gets anything right. <laughs> and maybe good. even through the whole rest of his life, he, he ends up so malignantly wrong about everything mm. in this story that it, it is just... It, it's hard to imagine. It's, it's hard to imagine how you can flip a coin a hundred fucking times and have it <laughs> land the wrong way every goddamn time. But that's, what, that's, that's Benjamin Rush. And so this young, this young sailor arrives. He has the fever. He dies of it. At this time in Philadelphia, when someone died, they'd ring the church bells. So the church bells ring for this young man and probably several other people who died of unrelated reasons. And then the, the hotel owners start getting sick. Oh, no. Several people in the hotel die uh, with the same symptoms as the young sailor had. Then it spreads within a few blocks of this hotel. Now, during this time, people know what the yellow fever is. The yellow fever is one of the most deadly diseases in the world at this point. Mm -hmm. You don't say that out loud unless you mean it. <laughs> to these people. It's like going to the ocean and just screaming shark. Right. You want to make sure before you say that. Benjamin Rush, he was right, but also he sounded the alarm like that. Right. First to all of his rich friends. <laughs> of course. So we got to get all the rich people out first. Sounds familiar. It does. <laughs> and so then he, but then he starts trying to convince everybody this is yellow fever. There's still some argument, but Rush is winning the argument because his name is on the Declaration of Independence. To be perfectly fucking honest, everything you read is going to say it's because he was brilliant and the preeminent physician right. in America. But no, it's... Right. He's the most famous right. physician in America, not necessarily the most competent. Right. So as time passes and this starts spreading a little bit, nobody's still really too concerned about it. But people are noticing that the church bells are seem to be ringing a lot. Uh oh. So Rush Rush has the ear of 
pretty much everybody except a select few physicians who are brave enough to argue against the things that he's saying. And so this is a time when the humors are still the predominant theory in medicine. So you have things, phlegm, bile. Uh, people believe that you had four substances in your body that had to stay balanced. And when they fell out of balance, that's when you became sick or ill or incapable of overcoming some illness that came from some other some other way. And that's not, you know, and that sounds silly to us now. But I think that thinking about this story and also about what's happening now makes me think about what we're going to think about ourselves a hundred years from now, right. about how we're handling this. And I think, I think the farther we get into this story, the more pessimistic I feel about what we're, what we're doing yeah. as, as a people right now in the world. Anyway, so as people are dying more and more, these church bells are going off more and more, and um, it's starting to become apparent around town that people are dying at an alarming rate. Uh, this, I believe, when George Washington decides he needs to get the fuck out of Philadelphia before he himself experiences a fate that is too similar to the people, the other people in the town that he's living in. Which George Washington at this time, by the way, was living in a mansion. It wasn't his. It was being loaned to him by uh, a friend that was richer than he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that friend, by the way, loaned this mansion to George Washington because he had a bigger mansion a couple of blocks down the street. <laughs> and so, <laughs> President of the United States, I've got a spare mansion you're welcome <laughs> to stay in here in Philadelphia. George Washington becomes convinced, like Benjamin Rush, that yellow fever is in Philadelphia. Right. Fuck that. We gotta go. Deuces. And this is about the time that the people in Philadelphia are starting to realize that the yellow fever has come to their town. And right when that, that feeling starts to take hold <laughs> is when George Washington marches upon his horse right down the middle of the fucking street and out of town and he doesn't come back. <laughs> Now, Benjamin Rush, who I will end up hating before the end of this, did at least have a balls. The man stayed in Philadelphia. Mm. Benjamin Rush had asthma. He was in his 60s at this point. He's exactly the kind of person that if he gets this, that ain't going to be good. And he knows it, and he stayed anyway. That's admirable. Definitely. <laughs> He's going to do a bunch of shit that's going to completely <laughs> blanket that out. So people are starting to um, accept that it's yellow fever uh, around the time George Washington's cutting out of town? Yeah. Okay. George Washington and all the rich people heading out. We're still in, is it still August? Is it late? No, we're, we're, we're early, early August, August at this point. Okay. A lot of the people that are staying are people who just don't have somewhere else to go or they don't have the money to spend to go somewhere else. They're just kind of fucking stuck. Right. It's funny because at this time, so... We know what's actually happening here is that mosquitoes are biting sick people and biting other people. Right. At the time, they're thinking that people are getting it from other people. So what you have is a bunch of uh, rich people who feel that they, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who decide to just go somewhere else and possibly spread this shit all over the fucking country. Right. You know, I mean. They only care about themselves. Nothing's changed. And, you know, I've been thinking some about the way COVID-19 is spreading. <laughs> in addition to elderly people, it, it also, at least there in the beginning, was uh, disproportionately affecting rich people. <laughs> because who the fuck's traveling? How many times a year do I get on a plane and go to another country? Right. Zero. Same. <laughs> or just travel around in general. Right. I mean, you got rich people 
possibly asymptomatic, going on vacations to all these destinations. And you can actually look at, at the uh, the maps of America right now, like where the cases are the, the largest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it's tourist designations. Oh, I'm shocked. Where people with money go. I don't know. What I don't want to talk about it yeah. it upsets me. <laughs> no, it does. It does. <laughs> so the people that are left in Philadelphia, they know what's happening. People are dying. People are starting to die by, by, by around the middle or late August. 10 or 15 people a day are dying. Mm. Um, and so the church bells are just going and going and going. And the mayor of Philadelphia this time is a man named Matthew Clarkson, who up until this point, being the mayor of Philadelphia, was really more of an honorary title than anything. He didn't really have any power. But there's this moment right here in August where Matthew Clarkson <laughs> realizes, I'm the mayor and I've never had any power before. But also, everybody with power has just left. (laughs) So just because I have this honorary title of mayor, uh, I'm kind of the closest thing that we're going to have to a leader around here. Right. Benjamin Rush also realizes this. And so he pretty immediately goes to Clarkson and presents theories on ways that we could clear Philadelphia of these negative miasmas that are causing this disease. Because they believe that a lot of this problem is just because of impurities in the air, they want to clean up Market Street, for one thing, um, (laughs) where the live animal markets are and all of the rotting animals in the hole at the end of the street. We should probably clean that up. The way that that they want to clean this up, though, is bafflingly interesting. So their idea, instead of, instead of uh, throwing dead animals and things into these holes at the end of the street, mm-hmm. they're suggesting that people throw them out in the middle of the street. <laughs> and then that way, <laughs> that way, dogs will come and just eat the stuff. Didn't fucking work. And I don't know how anybody <laughs> didn't see that that wasn't going to work. Because all they ended up with was, yeah, it, they got some of that stuff away. But you just ended up with a bunch of fucking mean, angry packs of dogs that are running all around Philadelphia with, like, pig legs and shit. (laughs) And there's, like, bones all in the road with rotten meat and shit. So, very quickly figured out that that wasn't the way to go. That was not the way to go. (laughs) Bad idea. Bad idea. Such a bad idea. I am almost certain it was Benjamin Rush's idea. So now people know there's a disease here. I have a good chance of dying just because I'm here. On top of that, when I look outside, there's animal legs (laughs) and viscera of all kind just strewn about (laughs) these once clean streets. Such a bad idea. Because this was going to fix everything. So needless to say, the, the, the death bells continue to toll. Despite throwing dead animals in the middle of the road, <laughs> who would have guessed it didn't fucking work and the bells keep going? So did they figure out another, did, did they make another suggestion on what to do? Um, it, they did decide they need to clean things up. So they did, they did do some cleaning. One of, the, one of the problems and one of the things that got blamed almost for the whole fucking thing was um, a ship came in delivering coffee to Philadelphia. They had a great big load of it. Somehow, it went rotten on the way. (laughs) So they can't sell it. Nobody wants to buy it. So they just throw it off on the side of the the dock there on the Mm -hmm. Delaware. And it just continues to rot and fester until 
they said that the the odor from it which I don't really know what rotten coffee smells like. I can't say for sure I've ever smelled it, but apparently it's horrible, and the odor traveled at least half a mile. I know Benjamin Rush could smell it in his house <laughs> because he took several opportunities to bitch about it. So they cleaned up the rotten coffee. Oh. And I guess it is good for public health to clean that up, but it, it still it didn't have any effect on anything that they were trying to do. <laughs> and still... So now, now we've tried pretty much everything. We've thrown dead animals in the middle of the road, and we've cleaned up a pile of rotten coffee. <laughs> what else could we possibly do? And this is still going on. We're still losing 15 people a day. These fucking church bells are going off and off and off and off and off all the goddamn time. It's driving Mayor Matthew Clarkson fucking crazy. And Matthew Clarkson, <laughs> at this point, realizes that he has to step up because nobody else is going to. And... I may be wrong that this was his first decision, but I like to think that it was. Matthew Clarkson, on Sunday, August 25th, ordered that the church bells no longer be rang when someone died. Wow. The effect of that, everybody's concerned. Everybody's afraid that they're literally going to die, and they're afraid they're going to die in a horrible fucking fashion. And the church bells all day are reminding them of that, reminding them of that, reminding them of that. And I feel like it's a, a reasonable thing for Matthew Clarkson to do to say, let's just stop ringing these bells because we know. Right. And to think that that might alleviate some stress. But when the bells stop ringing, everybody knows why. Right. Death is starting to become so common, just starting to, <laughs> that that courtesy of ringing a bell is starting to become a burden because of the amounts of bodies that are piling up. And we're just getting started. Right. By the end of this, there's going to be dead people in the streets. There's going to be dogs dragging your dead neighbors away. That's going to do it for the first episode of The Black Vomit. I realized we, we didn't get a whole lot in. We, we, did, we just touched the surface. What's going to happen in the next episode Yeah, is just the hopelessness and desperation and misery that's going to be in Philadelphia in the next couple of months is going to be unimaginable even living in the time that we're living in. Right. So I hope you join us for that episode. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I feel like I laughed too much through this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for episode 28 of Where's the Line. If you enjoyed the show, uh, please subscribe to it so you don't miss the next 20 episodes about this <laughs> episode in Philadelphia. No, it's not, not really. Two more max. Two more max. <laughs> I thought we'd get farther, but whatever. I love the story. We don't make. We don't have advertisers anyway. It's not like, oh, what's going to fucking happen if I talk about this for the rest of my life? I'm going to lose my aver. No, fuck that. Am I being too? I feel like I'm being too ornery or something no, like angry don't. somehow or something. But no. uh, I don't seem angry. No, you don't. Okay. Maybe it's that guy whose name I don't remember. Mike booted fucking day. Yes. Yeah, that guy. That's called an infix, by the way. When you when you put fuck in the middle of a word. <laughs> <laughs>
Do we have any voicemails? We actually have a. Oh, <laughs> we've got several, more than several voicemails since we've been off the air, and they almost every one of them are so nice. We're not going to play every one of them. We're going to we're going to play a couple. If you left us a voicemail, we are going to get to it eventually. <laughs> this first voicemail comes from Lily. Uh, I actually talked to Lily recently over uh, a Facebook. FaceTime thing. What do you call that? Yeah, I think Facebook video calls, I guess. That's yeah, I don't it. know. Uh, anyway, Ashley and I right now, <laughs> I don't think I mentioned that uh, I'm in a new studio space with sarcastic quotations around it. Uh, <laughs> I just realized that I don't have the adapter for Ashley's headphones. So we're having to listen to these voicemails <laughs> right next to each other, sharing one ear of the same set of headphones and using the same microphone for this portion of the show. <laughs> Why don't we have sponsors? <laughs> anyway, just play the yeah, voice. this this voicemail sounds this will be okay. Okay, this is Lily. Happy birthday. I hope it's a good one, but I've got ceiling damage, and there is what the repairman called a blower. I'm currently drying out this fucking thing. And my favorite curse word right now is cunt nuggets. Has that always been my favorite? Who knows? Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that voicemail message, Lily. <laughs> That's, you know, I actually am incredibly impressed that like somebody that I've never met in person remembered my birthday. Aww. Okay, this looks like it's going to be a long one. <laughs> this comes from Cynthia. Hello. My name's Cynthia. I'm from Reno, Nevada. I've been contemplating on making a voicemail just because this kind of shit makes me pretty nervous. And um, to be honest, I'm pretty awkward as well, but somehow I managed to operate to top that awkwardness with on the phone. Can't even fucking talk right now. But I decided to say fuck it and share my love for you guys and the podcast because you guys deserve to know where is the line is fucking awesome. One of the best podcasts I've listened to. I hope you're doing well, Kevin, and I hope Ashley's feeling better. I appreciate the humor and just everything about the podcast. I love everything's fucked up and morbid and where's line hits just that spot. I'm fucking shaking. I don't know why, but I just am. Bear with me. Um, I don't know how I came across the podcast, but I'm glad I did. I've binged every episode and I'm just oozing with excitement for whenever the next one comes out. I also wanted to mention I'm very proud to say that I'm yet I have yet to cringe or gag at any of the episodes, so keep that shit coming. My favorite curse word is uh I'm not sure. I figured at this point you'd notice I cuss too much. But I'd have to say fuckballs or cockmuncher. But anyways, keep it depraved and disturbing. Thank you guys for making day-to-day life tolerable and interesting. Have a good one. That's fucking amazing. Thank you so much, Cynthia. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I was laughing through that because I I, I feel like Cynthia has the same kind of speech pattern that I do. Does that not seem like how I talk? I, I don't think that people will know because they hear the edited version right. of the show. Yeah. But yeah, if if uh, <laughs> if I had a higher pitched voice, that sounds like exactly the kind of voicemail that I would leave for a podcast that I listen to. So, <laughs> 
Thank you for that spot the fuck on voicemail, Cynthia. Thank you. <laughs> this next voicemail is, I believe, maybe the third time uh, we've heard from a, a man with a, a similarly handsome name to my own. This is Kevin. Hey, this is Kevin checking in from Groveport, Ohio during this amazing quarantine. Unfortunately, my job considers itself essential, which I guess it is. So I go there on a day-to-day basis and try my best to hide from everybody. Can't do it, though, because it's a warehouse, so it's kind of hard. So everybody stay safe and um, don't touch anything. Wash your hands, you know, the whole shebang, and try to get through this the best that we can. And hopefully... I get to hear a new podcast from here soon because I'm going nuts. So I've burned through all of my my podcast list, but it's okay. We'll get through it. Have a good one, and uh, let's get all through this together. Bye. Oh. That's very Thank nice. Yeah, that is not what I expected. <laughs> you know, because I've said before we don't listen to these ahead of time. We just kind of see the the what the Google translated version is, which is how I know who it is. But uh, yeah, that's not what I expected from Kevin. Yeah, that was super sweet, Kevin. Thank you. Um, yeah, because I believe the other times that Kevin has called him, he's been... He might have had a one or two to drink. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a different side of Kevin that we're seeing now. Yeah, yeah. Thank you a lot for that, Kevin. That, that was... Man, these were some good voicemails. We've got a lot more voicemails to get through, but we're going to save some for the next time. Uh, yeah, because we, we've got several. We, we, we would spend a lot of time listening to voicemails. Not that we don't appreciate them. We're going to get to every single damn one of them. I promise you. If you want to leave a voicemail of your own, you can get in touch with us at 386-227-7848. What does that spell? Dumbass tit. It still spells that after all this time? After two months? Coronavirus? Yeah, so much has changed. <laughs> but it still spells dumbass tit according to <laughs> Ashley. So if you'd like to leave a voicemail of your own, again, that number is 386-227-7848. That spells dumbass tit on your telephone dial. (laughs) Even if you have a rotary phone. Moving on to reviews. If we have any, I haven't checked yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's let's see. Our first review comes from Nick Nick the Nickster. I love that. (laughs) I talked to him. You know what his real name is? What? Steven. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know who this is. <laughs> Nick Nick the Nickster writes, Nutty Putty. I came for the Nutty Putty episode and I've been hooked since. Y'all are so much for yo listen to. And of course, y'all being from Alabama, I had to support it. <laughs> if y'all ever do a live audience, I'd love to buy tickets. <laughs> That's really nice. I think you meant we're so much fun to listen to. That's very nice of you Nick, <laughs> a.k.a. Stephen. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Stephen, uh, you know, since we're both living in Alabama here, you know, if you're anywhere near us, shoot us an email or something. Uh, I'll have a drink with you. Yeah, I'll, I'll or, join. Yeah, you know, we might do a social distancing drink or something, but sure. I will walk outside of my house and hand and toss a beer to you that you can catch in your rubber gloves. <laughs> And I also have some some Clorox wipes that I had like on the earth that was before everything happened. Like right. I don't think you can I still don't think you can buy those. Yeah, they're really hard to come by right now. But yeah, Steven, come by. 
I'll throw you a beer and a Clorox wipe. You can wipe it off. And uh, then I will just talk incessantly at you until you leave. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next review. This one comes from Bailey Manzione. Bailey Manzione writes, Such a great podcast. My mom recommended this to me, and she recommends it to everyone. She's obsessed. And I have to say, I love it. I busted through loads of episodes at work this week, and I loved every minute of it. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Samantha and Jamie and Ashley, too. Aw. Hope to hear more from you all soon. That's so sweet. That is so sweet. Shout out to your mom, also. Uh, yeah. Family. Yeah. And um, I'm assuming you must have a pretty cool mom. Yeah. Uh, if she introduced you to our show, or maybe an especially not cool mom, depending on what you think of the show. <laughs> We've got a couple of other reviews, but we're going to save those for future episodes <laughs> so that to you, the listener, it appears that we always are getting reviews. So famous. Yeah. <laughs> We've got at least one review to read on every episode Woo! that gets released twice a month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if, uh, if you'd like to leave us a review of your own, please do so. Uh, we'll read it on the air. Uh, I think that's going to do it. Thank you again. We'll see you again soon. We love you. Bye. You haven't said goodbye yet. Don't you say goodbye before me? No, I say see you again soon. Oh, and then I say bye, deuces. Okay, okay. Say bye again. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, deuces. (laughs) Shut up. You're so stupid. You went bye. (laughs) Kids, when you go to bed, stay away from your closets and don't look under your bed.